0: Well, good morning again, and uh, turn in your copy of Scripture to John chapter 14. We're going to be looking at passages in John 14, 15, and 16. So uh, you get to John 14, then we'll travel from there. Uh, while you're turning there in John 14 or flipping there on, on your uh, uh, digital app, I want to encourage you to pray this week. We've been praying 1-1-1 for one minute Uh, for one thing at 1 o'clock every day. And I know that many of you have joined us on that prayer journey, and you are invited to join us on this prayer journey. Uh, It will make a difference in our church. It will make a difference in your life. It will make a difference for the kingdom of God. Uh, So as we pray, here's what we're going to pray for for one minute this week, the same as we prayed last week. We're praying for God to show us how to invest this week in the one person that he's planted in our life, that we believe God would use us to help that one person uh, who is far from God find life in Christ. So we're asking God, God, this is the one person that you've shown me, and and we've made the we we made the list of of those ones in our life. Some of you still ha- perhaps have not identified who that one is. We're compiling a list, and we're going to have a, a list of just first names, maybe first names and. And last initial of these ones. And we're going to put them and we're going to publicize them uh, here uh, as we gather together so that we can join together in praying for these ones. Uh, As I shared last week, there was uh, one of the ones who came to know Christ. uh, And I got a report this week of another one that has come to know Christ. Uh, So we rejoice in these who are far from God, finding life through faith in Christ. Don't we rejoice? Even on Time Change Sunday, don't we rejoice, right? And uh, so uh, this week at 1 o'clock, set, it, set uh, your reminders, uh, 1 o'clock, Lord, how can I invest this week? How can I start a conversation? How can I move from casual talk to a, a spiritual conversation? How can I build a bridge? How, how would you want me to invest in that one person, that coworker, that school friend, uh, that neighbor? How can I invest in them so that they who are far from God might find life through faith in Jesus Christ? Uh, so you pray if you have any time over left over in that prayer time and you you should but if you have any time left over or you're willing to go in, uh, a minute and 30 seconds would you just take a moment and pray for Megan and Tim Whitney uh, who are coming as our location pastor for First Norfolk on Volvo they're going to be moving here their first Sunday is March the 24th so would you commit to pray for them let's have a big cheer again for Megan and Tim Tolson, as they make their way here, God's opening doors and paving way for them to be here, and we're excited about that as well. Uh, The last thing before we get into the message is uh, our scripture memory. Uh, How many of you all uh, memorized this week Psalm 119, verse 105? This card has the different uh, uh, passages that we've memorized uh, starting the, first, uh, the third week of January, we began memorizing Scripture, John 3, 16 and 17, Genesis 1, 26 and 27, Galatians 2, 20, uh, just to name a few of those. Uh, last week, we memorized together Psalm 119, verse 105. Uh, how many of y'all like to say that with me, Psalm 119, verse 105? Uh, if you have been in Vacation Bible School, you will know this as soon as we begin to say it. But uh, let's say it together Psalm 119 verse 105 Your word is a unto my and a unto my Psalm 119 verse 105 Let's say it again together Your word is a unto my and a unto my Psalm 119 105 Let's do it one more time Are you ready? Just one more time, just so those who didn't work extra hard on this passage this week will have it by the time we walk out of worship gathering today. One more time. One, two, three. And And if you're under the age of, of, of 15... Do you want to say it real loud with me? I mean, if you're under the age of fifteen, some of you, and if you feel like you're under the age of fifteen, you want to say it real loud with me. Are you Are you ready? I mean, real loud. You got to be real loud because you're covering everything. Are you ready? I was thinking of this crew up in the uh, 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 up in this section over here or this section over here. Are you ready? One, two, three. Are you ready? All right. Your is a unto my and a unto my path psalm 119 105 all right isn't that great good what a great day it is as we look uh this week we're going to memorize a longer passage john chapter 15 verses 9 through 13 and that's going to be a little bit more challenging uh, if you find yourself wilting at the idea of memorizing so many verses, number one, re- remember, they're not that long of a sentence. Uh, number two, some of these verses will be familiar to you. And three, take it in piecemeal. Again, the goal is not that you're able to recite a bunch of words. The goal is that you receive the message that Jesus is delivering to us. So John 15, verses 9 through 13 um, And and that uh, passage uh, says, As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life, For his friends. John chapter 15, verses 9 through 13. And I pray that God would bless you as you uh, take that passage to heart. Now, we're looking at prayer, and uh, next weekend will be the final series on prayer. And you don't want to miss next weekend because it's going to be a wonderful journey together uh, in prayer. And it's going to be fun, it'll be exciting, and I believe it will be life-changing for you, for your family, and for our church. Uh, So you'd be sure and join us next week. But today, we're going to continue listening to Jesus talk to us and teach us about prayer. And this is what he does in John chapters 14, 15, and 16. He teaches us about prayer. Uh, It reminds me of the guy who was on a diet. And everybody in his office knew that he was on a diet uh, because used to he would go and he would get hamburgers, uh, like triple cheeseburgers from Wendy's. And he would bring them to the office, and he would eat those for lunch. But then uh, he started bringing broccoli um, in a Tupperware container, and uh, broccoli and carrots. And so everybody knew, what's the deal? Why are you not eating your hamburgers? I'm on a diet, he would say. And so everybody wanted to support him on his diet, encourage him on his diet, and and they did. Uh, Until one morning, he comes in uh, with a box of a dozen Krispy Kreme donuts. He walks in, and immediately people see something is wrong here. Either he's gone off his diet or he's, he's, uh, he's lost his mind. So his co-worker who shared a desk with him, he said, what, Dude, what happened to your diet? And, and the man with a great big smile said, Well, it happens like this. He said, On my way to work today, I was driving by Krispy Kreme Donuts. And as I was driving by, I prayed, Oh God, if it is your desire for me to have a dozen Krispy Kreme donuts, will you make sure that the hot light is on? (laughs) uh, his friend looked and giggled, and he said, Well, it's amazing that the hot light was on. And the guy said, Well, it wasn't the first time, but by the third time I went around, God answered my prayer. (laughs) That's not the kind of praying we're talking about. I, yeah, I, I want you to understand, and God wants us to understand, that there is power in prayer. Uh, that, that in response to praying, uh, God still will move a mountain. God still will bring fire from heaven to consume a waterlogged altar. God will stu- still part a Red Sea. God will still give sight to the blind and strength to lame bones, God will still raise the dead. And God has not changed in the history of the universe. He remains the same. God still moves mountains, but he does not move mountains based upon the whims or the wishes of us. God moves mountains based upon his will. God doesn't bring fire uh, to consume a waterlogged altar just because we want to see a big show. God will bring fire to consume a waterlogged altar to show His glory and to advance His kingdom. God will give sight to the blind, but not merely because we want to see. God will give sight to the blind to show that He is the God of creation who loves us and we can depend upon Him. God does not answer prayer based upon our whim. God answers prayer based upon His will. And we can come to God with all of our Krispy Kreme prayers and think that He should turn the hot light on, but He just doesn't operate that way. That's what Jesus was getting at as Jesus is closing out his earthly ministry. Last week we looked at the model prayer, and that was more toward the beginning of his ministry. He teaches us to pray. When you pray, pray thusly. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those, uh, Give forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, and deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Right? And and so we looked at that and we saw how that God, uh, Jesus, is teaching us to pray. Today in John 14, 15, and 16, it's toward the end of his earthly ministry, but his mind and his heart are on him leaving. In, in just a few hours, Jesus will be arrested. In just a few more hours, Jesus will be uh, uh, tortured. In just a few more hours after that, he will go to a cross as the Lamb of God who brings forgiveness to sinners like you and me. It is his death on the cross. As he hangs there, hangs on the cross to die, he takes the weight of our sin upon himself. It is by the shedding of his blood on the cross that you and I, through faith in him, find forgiveness. And Jesus, as he's dying, uh, leaves himself in the hands of the Father. He dies, he's buried, and God raises him from the dead. And Jesus spends time with his disciples only to be exalted to the right hand of the throne of God. And the disciples, we... The disciples must carry on the mission that Jesus inaugurated in his earthly ministry. His mission that God established when he created Adam and Eve in the garden. This ministry, this mission that will be finally fulfilled when Jesus splits the heavens and returns to gather his own to himself. This is a mission that must eat at our very thoughts every day must consume our activities and our minds and our lives just as it did Jesus. And that's why he gives us these farewell discourses. This John 14, 15, and 16. It's, he, he's thinking in terms of, I'm getting ready to leave and I need to prepare. Them. And that's what he says at the beginning of John 14. He says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again, receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I'm going, you know the way. And Thomas said, where are you going? We don't know the way. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. He's preparing their hearts for his departure. But he's also inspiring them with the truths of his persistent presence that he promises us through prayer. As we look at these prayer passages, and, and I, want you to, I want you to read with me these prayer passages, beginning in John 14, I want you to flip over verses 12, 13, and 14, and see, look, you might not get all my words, but you'll get this, and this is God's Word, and it's more important than all the words that I might share. So go ahead and listen attentively to God's Word as He speaks to your heart by His Spirit. Okay, John 14, beginning in verse 12. Most assuredly, this is Jesus talking. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these, because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Jesus promises greater things for those who believe on him. You look in John 15. Look at verse 7 and 8. Now in verses 1 through 6, Jesus is talking about the importance of abiding in him. Uh, he painted the picture of uh, God as the vine dresser or the gardener, that, that Jesus is the one vine, the true vine, and that we who are believers in Jesus, we are the branches connected to him. And he was saying if you want to have life in everyday life, if you want to experience satisfaction and nourishment, then you need to remain, abide in the vine. You need to stay connected to Jesus. Now in verse 7... He continues that thought with the idea of prayer. He says in verse 7, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. In this way you will be my disciples. I I want you to hear this, okay? If you abide in me, my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire And it will be done for you. Are you praying in that way? Yeah, God still moves mountains. Greater things. You look down in verse 16 and 17. Same chapter. Jesus continues. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. There's the mission aspect. He says, I- I've appointed you. He's talking about you and me. If we belong to the family of God, we've been appointed by God to go and bear fruit, to go into our communities in the seven cities of Hampton Roads to our one and bear fruit. That is to share the good news of Christ's great love, to advance the kingdom, to display the glorious rule of God's grace in our lives so that others might taste it and see it and want it and receive it. He says, I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give to you. You see that? Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give to you. That's a powerful promise. Go down to chapter 16. In chapter 16, verse 23 and 24, Jesus says, In that day you asked me nothing, most assuredly I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now you've asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive so that your joy may be full. So in these passages Jesus is promising that prayer is the avenue through which we we can do greater things and experience greater joy but it's not just any prayer that gets that greater thing and greater joy in our life it's not just any prayer remember God is in the business of moving mountains he just doesn't do it because we want it he does it because it's his will as we look at, at this passage, what Jesus is teaching, what we need to hear is that, that, that God promises that he will respond to our faithful praying. Faithful prayer, that's the key. I'm going fishing in a couple of weeks. Yes. Now, it, not just any kind of fishing. I love to fish. I grew up fishing with cane poles and and worms or grasshoppers I caught in the field in Stock Creek on my granddaddy's farm. I, I love any kind of fish. I can go fishing in an old uh, uh, puddle of water that doesn't have any fish in it. And I'll fish in that puddle of water thinking I can catch some fish. I love to fish. But the kind of fishing I love the most is when I go fly fishing in the Smoky Mountains. And in a couple of weeks, because Edie has given me a, a, a pass to go do it, I, I get and she's going with me, I, I get to go fishing in the Smokies. And I'm so excited. Now, in preparation for that trip to the Smoky Mountains, there are things that I need to know. You see, trout are a peculiar type fish. Just like any other kind of fish, they eat what's available to them. And if you're going to catch trout in the Smoky Mountains, you need to know the food that is available to the trout at that time. And not everything is available all the time to the trout. There are these things called hatch charts. And the reason they're called hatch, like chickens hatch an egg, the reason they're called hatch charts is because at different times throughout the year, insects will hatch in in the Smoky Mountains. And it is our job, again, I see the eyes glazing over, eat another Krispy Kreme, it'll be all right. Um, There is is a, a, a particular time during the year where particular insects are available to the trout. And it is my job to know which insects are available to eat by the trout. And it changes month by month, sometimes week by week. Right now, blue quills, quill gordons, blue wing olives, little brown d- stoneflies, uh, little black stoneflies. These are the insects that are available. And it would be showing off if I were to uh, uh, give you the Latin names of those insects. But. Ask me after church, and I'll give them. Uh, but the, 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 these insects are hatching, and so it is my job to know those insects, know which ones are hatching. Now, you don't go out and catch those insects like you catch a grasshopper or dig for a worm and put it on the end of your hook. You've got to actually tie a fly. This is me tying a fly. It's tying a fly that mimics the insect that will be hatching. Not only that, but there are three different stages, four different stages, if you count the last stage, of those insects. The first one is the nymphal stage. This is where they are little critters uh, in the water. Uh, The second stage is when they are about to hatch. Uh, That's the emerger stage. The third stage is when they are uh, little flitting, flying little mayflies or caddisflies. They're in the air. The last stage is when they uh, go down to the water and they lay their eggs and they die. And all of this happens in a brief period of time, and I need to know which cycle the trout are feeding on, and I need to tie a fly that mimics each one of those cycles. (laughs) Aren't you having fun yet? Okay, there is a point. If I'm going to catch fish, I need to know the insect to use. In the same way, when we pray, if we're going to pray a prayer that gets God's response, we have to pray in the way that Jesus teaches. There's a pathway. There's a paradigm. We looked at it beginning in Matthew 6. And when Jesus said, if you're going to pray, pray this way. And, and, and the first part of that prayer is aim your heart toward heaven. And the second is ask for God's provision. And, and each one of the petitions that we find in uh, the, the model prayer helps us one of those two ways. Either aim our heart toward heaven for God's glory or ask for God's provision. Uh, Jesus does it even more specifically here. There are specific characteristics that describe faithful prayer. If we're going to experience the powerful result. God moving mountains then we need to pray in a faithful way it reminds me of the story of the preacher who uh, uh, in his little hamlet in Scotland uh, they were going through a drought and so uh, Sunday morning the preacher gets up and he prays fervently and earnestly for rain and uh, and then he goes home for lunch and, and he's getting his stuff ready after lunch to go back to the church and as he's about to walk out the door his little daughter hands him an umbrella, and he says, thank you, honey, but it's not raining. I don't need this. And she said, oh, yes, you do. You prayed for rain at church today. Do you have that kind of faith-filled prayer? I I think we need that kind of faith-filled prayer. We need to believe that God is God who uh, moves mountains. God is God who... um, brings water out of a rock, God is God who feeds his people with manna from heaven. God is the God who can stop the the earth from rotating on its axis long enough for a 24-hour day of time to, 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 to stand still. And hold everything together in the process. God is still the God who, who, uh, in response to a bunch of pagan uh, priests, uh, brings down fire from heaven to consume a waterlogged altar in response to prayer. God is still the God who can tame the storm and cause it to stop. God is still the God who can roll away a stone and call forth his son from the depths of death and say, my son, you live." And Jesus is raised from the dead. This God has not changed. Amen. The power of God's response, however, is not only dependent upon our faith filledness, but also our faithfulness. Are you praying in a way as Jesus teaches? The first thing we need to ask is not, do I believe that God can move mountains? Of course he can, he's God the creator of heavens and earth. The question is, what does faithful praying look like? That's what Jesus begins to answer in this passage. The first thing we see about faithful praying is that it is a prayer uh, that begins with a relationship. Faithful praying begins with a relationship. And you look at uh, John chapter 14, verse 12. John chapter 14, verse 12, and Jesus declares... Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me. If we want to get hold of greater things and greater joy that Jesus promised through prayer, then it must begin in a relationship with him. It begins when we enter into the family of God. You see, Jesus only answers the prayer of those who are part of his family. I know that seems a little bit challenging, and, and 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 the question may be, what about? And after I said this last week, some of you all said, well, what about the person who wants to be part of God's family? God God lets Himself be be known to those who are searching for him. And he opens an avenue for them to enter into his family. But the only way to, uh, to, to, to talk to God is through faith in Jesus Christ. He who believes in me, Jesus said. You want to have an active prayer life that is more than just talking to the wall. It is more than just a magical incantation. More than just a ritual. You want to really practice the presence of God in your life and experience and feast on the power of God and his response then you must be part of God's family. You must have your sin forgiven through the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. And you must have repented that sin and placed your faith in Jesus as your only hope for rescue. And when you, by faith, turn from your sin and trust in Jesus, uh, you, you receive the forgiveness of sin and He pours, by God's grace, this new life in you in that moment. He introduces you to the Father. He brings you through the veil that your sin had separated you From God, he brings you into the presence of God, and he says, Dad, this is Eric, and he belongs to you. Until that transaction of God's grace happens in your life, no matter how religious or moral you may be, no matter how many uh, worship services you attend, no matter how many years you have been in church, until that transaction of God's grace happens for you personally, you are still separated from God by your sin, and you have no hope for a powerful response to God. Because you have not received faith filled or faithful praying. To practice the presence of God, you have to be part of God's family. Faithful praying begins with a relationship. Jesus described it as He who believes on me. Have you put your faith on Jesus? The second part of faithful praying is it flows in sync with the character of Jesus. And uh, John 14, verse 13 and 14, he says, Jesus says, uh, Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. You go down in verse 16, he says, Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. Again, in chapter 16, verse 23, surely I say, Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Do you see? In the name of Jesus, that's a pretty big deal. But can I tell you what it's not? Praying in the name of Jesus is not using the words in Jesus' name. I know many of you feel like it is. I had, a, I had a member of our church many years ago who just railed against me because I didn't always end my prayer in Jesus' name. I understand what they're saying. And if you listen to my praying, most of the time I will close my prayer in Jesus' name. But there is nothing magical about those words. Praying is not about using an incantation to manipulate God's activity. In Jesus' name is not using the words in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name is adjusting my life to fit the very character of Christ. In Jesus' name means that his heart becomes my heart. To pray in Jesus' name means that you are praying in a way that Jesus would pray. And you're asking the Father in a way that Jesus would ask. It's not using a set formula. In fact, if you want to get really legalistic about it, if you're going to use that phrase, you better go back to the Aramaic. Wouldn't that seem more logical? If you're Jesus, when he said this, he said it in Aramaic, he didn't say it in English. So instead of praying in Jesus' name, maybe we ought to pray in, in Yeshua, I don't even know what it'd be, in, in Yeshua Nami, something like that. I, so it, if I start saying that, know that I'm trying to use a magical formula. It's not about magic. It's not about the words. It's about the heart. Faithful prayer flows from a heart that beats in sync with the character of Jesus. Is your heart beating in sync with the her- character of Jesus? You want to pray in Jesus' name? That means that you're praying in a way that matches who Jesus is. Does that make sense? It's not the words. It's the heart. Are you praying in a way that matches who Jesus is? Faithful prayer begins in a relationship. It, 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 it flows uh, in sync with the character of Jesus. Third, faithful prayer focuses on God's glory. And we looked at this last week, and we will not spend a lot any more time on it, but last week we saw that, that uh, uh, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, is, is a prayer, three petitions, that focus us first and foremost on God's glory. The most important thing is not that Eric gets what he wants. The most important thing is that God gets the glory due his name. And until our hearts are adjusted to fit that ambition, then our prayer will always limp along in impotence. Our first desire must be God's glory. You hear it throughout uh, the words of Jesus here in 1413. In, uh, in uh, Greater works than, than, than these he will do because I go to my Father, whatever you ask in my name, I will do so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You're not even part of that glory. It's the glory of the Father in the Son. In, in chapter uh, 15, verse 8, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you'll be my disciples. You pray in such a way that you will bear fruit so that the Father will be glorified. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about the Father. You look chapter 15. Uh, verse 16 you didn't choose me I chose you I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit bearing fruit brings glory to the father do you see what is missing so often our prayers are consumed with ideas about me myself and mine and we wonder why it is that God's not moving mountains anymore maybe he's not moving mountains because he doesn't move mountains based upon our whim He moves mountains based upon his will, based upon his glory. There's nothing wrong with asking for our desires to be met. There's nothing wrong asking, oh, God, will you turn the hot light on at Krispy Kreme? I'm not saying that's a bad prayer. Sometimes you need that hot light on. Oh, God, give me a Krispy Kreme donut, right? I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying... Faithful prayer looks to God's glory first and foremost, not to my need first and foremost. Now, God is a loving Father, and He delights in helping those who belong to Him. And God will never let you and me go without providing for our basest needs, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. He loves you. God loves you. Well, when the motivation of our praying is always about me, myself, and mine, when that's our ambition, that's why our prayers limp along. Faithful prayer focuses on God's glory. And that's why we're praying for the one. We know that bearing fruit means that, that at least in part, that people who don't know God get to know God. And He wants us to be an instrument To help others see who God is and come to faith in Him through Christ. Those who are far from God finding new life in Christ. I've got to tell you, if we're praying for the one, then we're praying to bear fruit. If we're praying to bear fruit, then we're praying for God's glory. And God's power will fall. One of the reasons churches are so weak and impotent is because long ago they lost sight of seeing people come to faith in Jesus Christ. Oh, they'll give it lip service as long as it's far away on a mission field. But when it comes to what we do here and now, the investment of our everyday life, going out of our way to help someone who is far from God find life in Christ, risking for that adventure, we just kind of stop short. That's why it's so important to pray. Even if it's just one minute at 1 o'clock every day, Oh, God, show me how to invest in the one. In this way, God gets greater glory. Not me, but Him. God desires for us to pray in such a way that brings Him glory and bears fruit for Him. Ultimately, the the fourth aspect of faithful prayer, the prayer that leads us to greater things and greater joy, is it flows from a life that's tied to Jesus and his words. You look in verse 7. If you abide in me and my words, chapter 15, verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask in my name what you desire, and it shall be done for you. But the key there is abide in Christ and his words abide in us. John said a little bit differently in 1 John chapter 5. He said, said, we can have confidence that if we pray according to the Father's will, He will answer us. That's really what Jesus is saying here. We need to understand the heartbeat of God and pray in line with His heartbeat. We need to pray connected to the will of Christ. Yes, yes. God is in the business of moving mountains, but He doesn't move mountains based upon our whim, but based upon His will. Prayer that is dominated by Christ's presence in our lives, so consumed by His desire and His design for us, that prayer will be populated with power. What is the nature of the praying that you're doing? Said, have any four of these characteristics as it begin with a relationship? Do you know Jesus as Savior and King? If not, then today I invite you into that relationship through faith in Christ. Is your praying flowing from a life and a heart that's in sync with Jesus? Are you praying in His name? Not using the words, but living the life. Are you asking God what Jesus would ask? Are you praying the prayer that Jesus would pray? Are you focused on God's glory in your praying? Or is it just about you? And and, and I get it. I really do. It's so hard for us and, and so challenging for us to think outside of our own personal needs. And I'm not saying that we stop thinking about our needs. What I'm saying is we take our needs and we wrap them up in what God desires rather than taking our needs and saying, God, I want your desires to match my needs there's a difference there I don't adjust my desire to match what my girls want okay that's not true I always do that it's bad parenting I know but a good father is going to look first at what's best for them and what matches his will because he knows best and then provide for his children the very best that will lead to greater joy. Greater things and greater joy in our everyday life comes when our hearts are living in sync with Jesus. When we aim our hearts toward heaven for God's glory and when We are completely tied to Jesus and His Word. Do you have the Word of Christ dwelling in your heart? You know, one of the reasons why we're memorizing Scripture together is so that we will have the very words of Christ in us. So that when we pray, we are literally praying the will of God. Do you want to know the prayer that gets answered with power? It's the prayer that lines up with God's Word and His will. Yes, God moves mountains. But are you praying faith-filled and faithful? Um, the story of a little boy living in a kingdom far, far away. And in this kingdom there is a king, and the king uh, has his court and uh, does the business for the kingdom. All the citizens of the kingdom depend upon the king to make good decisions, uh, to be just and fair, uh, and so the king takes seriously his times of counsel, and, and he gets with his people, his advisors, the politicians, even the foreign officials, and he brings them together uh, and, and, and has counsel with them. And everybody gathers in the throne room and they sit. And you can think terms of, of uh, uh, King Arthur's round table. And they all sit around the round table and they're all talking together. And the king is deliberating hard decisions for the benefit of the kingdom. When all of a sudden this little boy... Uh, comes busting into the throne room doesn't knock doesn't ask permission just comes busting into the throne room and with loud raucous laughter and joy begins hopping around the throne room and making his way toward the king all the guards are freaking out special secret service are ready i mean they've got Intruder, the eagle's the eagle's in trouble, the eagle's in trouble because this little boy is is just running up to the king. And 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 they say, Stop, stop, the king's in session. And the little boy laughs and he says, Yeah, yeah, I know he's the king, but he's also my daddy. And he runs into the open, outstretched arms of the king. He's swallowed up in the king's embrace. Daddy, will you go fishing with me today? Absolutely, son. Daddy, I've got a splinter in my finger. Will you help me get it out? Oh, absolutely, son. Daddy, I'm a little sad because Bozo the dog has a, hasn't been around and I haven't been able to play with him. I don't know where he is. Oh, son, don't, don't worry. We'll go find Bozo, your dog. See, a daddy's heart doesn't change just because he's king. Do you know that if you're part of God's family, you're that little son, you're that little daughter, and you can come bounding up into the arms of God the king and He welcomes you and He hears your requests and He longs to respond. Will you be faithful in your prayer today so that you can experience the greater things that Jesus promised and the greater joy that He provides? I invite all of you to bow your heads right now and as I lead you through this journey of response, can I just first of all say if you're here today at any of our locations, if you're here today and you are not yet a follower of Jesus, if there hasn't been a transformation of your life from the inside out, if you haven't with absolute certainty received forgiveness for your sin through the death of Christ on the cross His resurrection from the dead, if, you, if you're still struggling in the emptiness and the pain of separation from God, then today I invite you to come to Christ. By faith, trust Jesus. Admit that you're a sinner. Believe that Jesus is God's answer to your dilemma, that He is God's Son, that He died on a cross in your place for your sin. He was raised from the dead to give you new life. Right now, will you trust in Him? Will you call upon Him In repentance and faith, oh God, I know that I'm a sinner. Will you forgive my sin and bring me into your family through faith in Jesus Christ? The very first thing I would encourage you here today in response to God's word is to become a believer in Jesus. Enter into God's family. Place your trust in Christ. If you haven't done that yet today, then in these next few moments I invite you to come And talk to one of the ministers that will be at the front and tell them, I need to choose Christ today. I need to be forgiven my sin. Some of you here today and you are overwhelmed with chaos and pain and struggle and it's hard to think of, of God's glory but you're desperate for Him to move a mountain. Well, I encourage you right now to call upon the Lord. Say, God, I I want my heart to beat for your glory, but right now I'm just consumed with my struggle. Will you adjust my feelings so that my my first thought is your honor and fame? Will you adjust what's going on in my circumstance so that I can live for your glory and honor and fame? Will you you open doors or close uh, doors? Will you... Build bridges or burn bridges, whatever needs to happen in my life, for your glory and the benefit of what I'm going through right now. Oh, God, will you do that today? Will you bound up into the arms of your Father and tell Him you're hurt with a heart that beats for His glory and honor? Maybe, maybe today you are captured by the words of Jesus in some particular way and you need to pray those words and maybe it is abiding in him and maybe it is the idea that he's promised greater things and greater joy but both seem absent from your journey maybe you just need to remind Jesus this is your promise God now allow me to pray in such a way and live in such a way that I am so tied to you and your word, connected to you and your word, that I live each moment by your promise. These next few moments, I just invite you to talk to the Father. Run into his arms and find greater things and greater joy that he promises and provides.